welcome to the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast. I'm Sheila Ray Gregoire from ToLoveHonorAndVacuum.com, where we like to talk about how to make marriage into a passionate adventure and not just a giant to-do list. And we talk about marriage and sex almost every day. We are coming to you from my closet. Yes. Yes, my daughter Rebecca has joined me and we are recording in here because the sound is the best in here. Yeah, we still haven't gotten the little sound cube set up in my office at my house, so. And for those of you who are listening on audio, you are missing my glorious bathrobe, which is right beside me. (laughs) But trust me, you're not missing much. Also, for those of you listening on audio, you also are not able to see the wonderful injury that I did to myself. I I have bangs. Because I am covering up a massive, like, bandage (laughs) on my forehead. Because on Saturday, this makes me sound like really, like, powerful woman thing. But I went to do a chin-up. And I went on the bar on the wrong side. And I pulled the chin-up bar down on my forehead. And it bled profusely. And I spent several hours in the emerge waiting to get stitched up. So then I had to come over and wash all the blood out of your hair. It was just a whole... It was was marvelous. And I have to say, I wasn't actually doing a chin-up. I was trying to do a reverse chin-up where you, you, you get yourself in the right position and then you lower yourself down because I can't do a chin-up at all. I'm trying to train. <laughs> and I just jumped up on the wrong side. So it was stupid and I did it. But if you're wondering why there's a big bandaid on my forehead. That would be why. That would be why. So now let's talk about other types of injuries. This is just going to be one of those weird podcasts. I was trying to figure out how to do this in a post and I realized it's just too weird and multifaceted to work in a post. So we're going to do this as a podcast. But earlier this week, I was talking about sex during your period. And I had a whole post on it. My take is, you know what, if you want to go for it. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to, you certainly don't have to. Yeah. But the problem is that there's several Christian books, which actually say that women have to provide sexual favors during their periods. Well, they don't say you have to. What they say is if you want to be a good wife. Yeah then you just should do this little thing that doesn't take hardly any effort because he's in so much pain because you're going through your period. That's right. And we're actually going to read the quotes. And this actually was a big part of some of what we talked about in our upcoming book, The Great Sex Rescue, too, was we looked at some of these problematic passages in a lot of the best-selling Christian books because instead of seeing sex as a mutual knowing, a mutual pleasurable experience, which is entirely about both of you, they've made sex into something which is a male entitlement and about his physical release. And mm-hmm. it's, it's really problematic because it distorts the whole meaning of sex that God intended. But here are two quotes by Kevin Lehman from Sheet Music. And he's talking initially about a guy who has a porn addiction and is consistently tempted by porn. And he says, the most difficult time for this man was during his wife's period because she was unavailable to him sexually. After about 10 years, she finally realized that pleasing her husband with oral sex or a simple hand job did wonders to help her husband through that difficult time. Nothing about after 10 years, he realized, holy cow, I need to learn some self-control. <laughs> right. So several things we'll, we'll return to in yeah. this passage. I just want you to note, and we're not actually going to go into this part no, of it. No, we're not. No. But I just want you to note that he's calling her period a difficult time for the husband. Yes, exactly. Because women's experiences really can never, ever, ever, ever <laughs> live up to having to go four days without coitus. Yeah, and and as we talked about in our podcast last week on periods, a lot of women have very, very difficult periods, Mm -hmm. and they're very uncomfortable. And so to call it a difficult time for him, I, I find quite problematic. And then here is another quote from him. There are times for whatever reason that a wife may choose to make use of what younger men affectionately refer to as hand jobs. A woman with heavy periods that last six or seven days, or who has gotten through a pregnancy, or perhaps is simply not feeling her best, may genuinely feel that 
that sex is more than she can handle. But with a minimum of effort, she can help her husband who feels like he's about ready to climb the walls because it's been so long. I mean, the poor husband. His wife had a baby and now he can't get nookie. The poor <laughs> man. He's the one who's struggling here. He's like, sweetie, it's been two weeks since you had a literal human explode from your vagina. I mean, where's my time? Yeah. Okay. Poor man. Okay, but we're not actually going to get into no. that part of it. And I apologize. I have my allergies are so bad, and so my patience is at zero. <laughs> the baby woke up at five thirty this morning, so I'm going to be a little snarkier than normal. So. You're normally pretty snarky. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so what I actually want to get into is two phrases that he used. Yes. One in both of those, and the first one, a commenter on on the post this week said this. A hand job takes minimal effort. Seriously, I used to do them all the time early in our marriage when we were still stuck and all those bad thought processes. My hands would ache so bad and be throbbing by the time I was done. I will not do them anymore. Yeah, exactly. So he's saying it takes minimal effort and she's saying this. And then another woman replied and another woman said, I am so glad I am not alone in finding hand jobs physically painful. My arm would be on fire and my hand would hurt by the time it was over as I silently pleaded with God for it to be done. And my husband would kindly offer me breaks for my arm, but I was too scared until recently to say that it still hurt. He is a pretty good guy and wasn't trying to make me hurt, but he's so clueless. His initial response to me saying my arm hurt was to ask whether I was doing exercise to strengthen it, and I am not out of shape. Because his mindset, like so many, is that a hand job is easy. Mm-hmm. And that's what Kevin Lehman said. It was a simple hand job. It yeah. took a minimum, a minimum of a, a minimum a minimum, effort. Right. Now, for some people, it is a minimum amount of effort, yeah. and it isn't, it isn't a big deal. But... I think that it is worth talking about the fact that when we do talk about forms of sex that aren't intercourse, they do come with some physical ramifications for the person who is giving it. Mm -hmm. I, I did a video a while ago where it was the opposite issue where a woman was writing in saying that her husband was finding that his elbow hurt. Or his, wrist was, or, or his wrist or something when he was giving her manual stimulation to orgasm. Yeah. Any repetitive motion... <laughs> that lasts for a significant period of time can actually start to hurt. Yep. And especially with oral sex, where it's woman on man, there's also some major jaw issues that can come into play. So this is not necessarily something which is just simple or is just a minimum amount of effort. And so we wanted to take this podcast to talk about how we can negotiate some of these things and different ways to think about them. Because, you know, it entirely depends on your relationship. There's so much that we can say here. So we're going to try to unpack it. We might go all over the place, yeah. <laughs> but we're going to try to unpack this a little bit. So first of all, let's just assume that we're in a healthy relationship. Yeah, we're so, in a healthy relationship where like one-sided sex goes both ways It happens. Like if mm -hmm. he does something to her, she does something to him. Like not necessarily right then, but they're in a relationship where the norm is that both of them are getting the same kinds of experiences, even if it's at different times. Right. And the reason that people are, are giving each other sexual favors, bringing each other to orgasm is not out of obligation or pressure the way that, that it was phrased in sheet music. The way that Lehman um, advises women to do. Or like, you know, if right. you're going to be a good person, then you really should do this because it's so difficult for him. And how uncaring are you really? I mean, it's your fault you're having a period. He, he didn't ask for this. Well, he did. He married a woman. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, anyway, that, 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 sorry. Snark. Again. Snark. snark. Anyway, yeah. so, so we're going to assume it's a healthy relationship and that there's give and take on yes. both sides. One of the issues for women especially is that many women cannot reach orgasm through intercourse. 
And so they really only can reach orgasm through oral or manual stimulation. The issue with women is that you can get good stimulation with things other than his his finger. So he could use his finger a bit. He could use something other than his finger. She could grind against his leg for a while. Like you could mix it up a little bit and she could still be getting stimulation. And I really do advise that, you know, like I said, repetitive motions, when you're going for more than three or four minutes and often you are, it can start to get a little bit painful. You can start to seize up. So switching which hands you use, using leg, heck, she can even use his erect penis and rub against. So, so. And I think, I think that's the complication why people think it's going to take a minimum of effort because people, like, especially men, when they're writing about these kinds of things and they're advising women these kinds of things, they're thinking about when, frankly, when I masturbate, it only takes two minutes. Right. And they do it themselves. Yeah. And it doesn't take that long. First of all, the hand motion is different when you're, hand, when you're masturbating versus when you're doing it to someone else. The angle is less natural. But mm-hmm. also, if it's only taking two minutes and that's honestly causing pain, then... It honestly may be a conversation of do we need to work on stamina and strength because that to me does sound like there is a physical limitation that doesn't need to be there that is causing a limitation in their sex life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But if the thing is like, okay, you can't compare what your experience is masturbating to what her experience is doing a hand job if her taking a hand job takes five times as long as you masturbating. Yes, and right? it, it tends to because it tends to, yeah. there's no biofeedback. And yeah, like if you're doing something to yourself, you're feeling what you're doing to yourself and you can adjust accordingly, mm-hmm. right? Whereas like she can only go on your cues and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times like, yeah, studies have shown both women and men generally when they're masturbating, they can bring themselves there in less than three minutes, mm-hmm. right? But we all know that when you're in a relationship, it's very rarely only three minutes, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's part of where the confusion comes in, mm-hmm. I think. Exactly. And I do think that when it's the husband doing something to the wife, it, it is easier, okay, in, in terms of the muscles that are involved, <laughs> because you're not gripping something. And when you're gripping something, it can seize up a lot faster. So, and also she can, you you can use different movements. You can use different body parts. You can use different things to stimulate her. You can mix things up a little bit more. The problem with oral sex, a woman on a man, is that there really aren't other body parts you can use other than your hand, your mouth, or your vagina, because it needs to be engulfed in something. (laughs) Okay. And there's very little else that you can do. I mean, and I know there are technically other things you can do, but 99% of men are going to get there with hand, mouth, or vagina. Yes. But the other kinds of things that you can use are not necessarily, many men don't like them. Right. They don't think like, man, yeah, I'd love to use your elbow. Like they don't, like many men don't. And that's totally fine if he does. And that's great. This is all easier for you. But a lot of men, it's kind of like that's not really something yeah. that's and right and for them. and the stimulation isn't going to be strong enough often. Yeah, like there's just a lot of things that it's mm-hmm. more of a barrier, and so it is the things that help men get there do tend to be a bit more physically taxing, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. fine. But it does mean that we need to be very cognizant of our spouse's experience. Yes. And part of the problem, I think, that we've gotten into is when we believe that she owes him sexual release because he can't cope without it, then her needs no longer matter. Yeah. And the what the one woman said about how she's doing this and at the same time she is praying to God for it to be over. 
Yeah. And that really broke my heart, and yet she's not the only one I've heard that from. And also, she even said that she had a very kind husband who, like, Mm -hmm. if he had known that it was causing her pain, he would have been like, so let's do something else, or let's just not do it, it sounds like. And even she, she was praying, oh, God, let him just be done. Yeah. And that is just not the kind of sexual encounter that we think is healthy. Yeah. And I'm sure that most men think is healthy too. Like, I think there's probably a lot of husbands out there whose wives are praying that who don't know it and would be absolutely just abhorrent mm-hmm. to hear that. So let's just be really clear, you know, and, and I'm, I'm going to be really direct here, but oral sex or manual sex, which is taking more than five minutes yeah. is going to be getting uncomfortable for most people. And maybe taking breaks can help, maybe whatever, but it is going to be getting uncomfortable. Yeah. Much more so woman on man than, than the opposite, just simply because of the nature of just it. Just because of anatomy. <laughs> just because of anatomy. And I think that this needs to be understood. And I was quite dismayed by the language that Kevin Lehman used in sheet music, honestly, that that this was a simple thing, that it was a minimum amount of effort. And, and I really would like male authors and male teachers to stop using that language. Yes. Because then when women do this and it is uncomfortable, we start to feel like, I'm not good at it. I'm a whiner, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or, well, I guess I'm the only one who feels this way. I can't complain about it. And my needs don't matter because he needs sexual release so much. And so we need to give women permission to say, this is really uncomfortable for me and I don't want to do it. Yeah. Because I don't think women should be doing something where they are praying in their head, please, God, please let this be over. Yeah, and I think that a lot of the issues that come up with with this kind of thing can be mitigated by the couple just talking about it. Yes. Right? Like, if she says, I can't do X for very long because Y... Then mm-hmm. you figure out, okay, well, like, in a healthy marriage, you should be able to do things where it's a completely just on the other person experience, mm-hmm. you know? Like, that's that's important. And I do think it's a little bit unfair for women just to be able to say, well, because seven minutes, it makes me hurt. I'm just not going to do it anymore. Like, mm-hmm. there are lots of things you can do to make it not hurt, mm-hmm. you know? And you can maybe, if, if you can't do one for more than three minutes and one for more than five minutes, then... Go back and forth, or you can even take turns him and her, or you can do all sorts of things where you can still do these kinds of sexual actions without it being actively painful. What we're not saying is, okay, well, if you find any sort of discomfort, that's a free-for-all, you're out of the woods, you never have to do anything for your husband again, Mm -hmm. um, because that's not fair. Mm-hmm. But I do think that you just need to be able to talk about it, and he needs to know that he can't just say... Well, because you're on your period, you can't have sex, and so I guess I'll just take a handy then. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that should not be the expectation at all. So in a healthy relationship, the way that we see a healthy relationship working <laughs> is that every now and then you do give each other gifts, okay? <laughs> like you do give each other gifts, you're saying, you know what, tonight is all for you. I'm going to yeah. totally focus on you. I'm going to make you feel amazing. You don't have to think about me at all. This is totally on you, and that's great. And In a healthy relationship as well, especially if the only way that she reaches orgasm is through ways other than intercourse, which is the norm for most women, Mm -hmm. then 
I do think that it's incumbent. Like, if he's going to have an orgasm, he needs to give her one, too. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it, it's like it's like if she only comes to orgasm through manual or, or oral stimulation, then you don't get to say, okay, well, I get to have a hand job, and then we're going to have sex, and then you're going to have something. It's like, well, well, no, because then you've had three orgasms, and she's... Like, yeah. it's, it's... So, that's what we're saying. Oral sex or manual stimulation don't necessarily count as a selfish, quote-unquote, sexual experience for her, because it might be the only way she experiences orgasm. Right. That's right. all we're saying. However, if a guy, and we get this question a lot too, if a guy prefers oral sex to actual intercourse, that I think is a problem. <laughs> I think, I do think we need to be careful of saying it's a problem though, because I think that there are a lot of guys who, when they say they prefer oral sex, what they say is they prefer pressure-free sex. Yes. So I think a lot of guys feel a lot of pressure during like intercourse mm -hmm. to perform mm -hmm. and to make her feel really good. And if he's married to someone who has a hard time orgasming, frankly, yeah. he might start to prefer oral sex because like intercourse is just so emotionally laden. Right. I think there's a lot of that. I don't think it's all pornography related. Yes. But I do also think that there are some men who prefer oral sex because they're just lazy. Yes, and and we do get that question a lot, where yeah. women will say, "My husband won't have intercourse." He just okay, that's he just yeah. says he just says, "I want oral sex," yeah. and that really is a problem. So, yes. in a healthy relationship, you both give to each other, <laughs> and that giving to each other—that's the special thing. It's not like necessarily every day. Normally, it's something which is going to be mutually pleasurable, which normally is going to mean intercourse. She might also be brought to orgasm through other ways, and then hey, you give each other gifts too as a special thing, and that's wonderful, that's all great. Yeah, and honestly, if you're in a marriage and intercourse is not the primary thing that you're doing, but you're both being very sexually intimate mm -hmm. with each other and you're both getting there, that's also really fine, and for, especially for a lot of marriages where there's sexual pain involved. Yes, I just, was going to bring that yeah. up. Yeah, and, Or even <laughs> just marriages where, even like, okay, like if you just have like four kids under the age of seven running around, you know, there might just be logistical issues mm -hmm. where you're just like, let's just touch each other, we'll be done in three minutes. Yeah, <laughs> we'll whatever it takes. But intercourse always takes like 15 minutes so she's going to orgasm and so you decide, like there's all these different things. We're not saying that it always has to look one way. Mm -hmm. It just always has to be mutual. Yes, and that's the key thing is that it's mutual. Now, to look at this in another framework, <laughs> I do think what's happening, however, is that many women feel pressured into this mm -hmm. because they feel like I don't have a right to say no. And so if I don't want to have intercourse with him, I have to give him something else. Exactly. Because I don't really have a right to say no. Yeah. Because this is something which he needs. You know, love and respect says he has a need you don't have. Yeah. Many of the books say you will never understand his need for sexual release. Yeah. And we hear this constantly in, in almost all of the marriage books we looked at. Not all, but in the majority, they well, talked about the 72-hour rule. And at the same time, they're putting in emotional language that completely just almost gaslights the woman experience, right? Like mm -hmm. in love and respect is it takes it makes him so happy and takes so little time. Which means any anything that she says, she's now selfish because it takes so little time. Right. right? Kevin Lehman with a minimum of effort. So you're not even willing to put in a minimum of effort. Yeah. Right? Like like all of these things, they have this yeah. very manipulative language. Yes. Where they say this is really important for him. And also women, you have no reason to say no because any reason that you have just makes you sound like a selfish person. Yes. And that's inappropriate. Yes. Because God made 
made sex <laughs> to be an intimate knowing of each other. I've said this before, I will say it again, Genesis 4 verse 1, Adam knew his wife Eve. We laugh at that. We think, oh, God's embarrassed of using the real word. But the Hebrew word there is a deep, intimate knowing. It's a longing to be totally intimate with one another. God uses sexual imagery to talk about the relationship that God wants to have with the church. And so this is supposed to be a deep, intimate knowing. It is yeah. not an entitled taking. Yes, Genesis 4-1 is not, and then Adam took the sex from his wife Eve. No, it's or not. Like... <laughs> it's not an entitled taking. It is an intimate knowing, yeah. and we need to start talking about it that way, because what's happening is that women feel like, if I'm uncomfortable, that's on me. Yes. And I have to live with the discomfort, because whatever discomfort I am feeling cannot compare with his sexual frustration. Yes, exactly. And, and I am obligated to relieve his sexual frustration, so this discomfort that I am feeling is something which I must endure. And that is what so many books and that is what the teaching has, has said to women for so long that then when we don't want intercourse and he says, well, that's okay, you can do something else. And we figure, well, you know, maybe I'll do this because I'm really not up to sex. And so you start and then it just starts to hurt. And then you're like, man, I wish I'd just done the other stuff. Yeah. And maybe, and, and how do I get this over with? Yeah. And so we need to free up women to be able to say, you know, this is really uncomfortable for me. And again, like what we're not saying, because I just know a lot of people are going to freak out at, at all of this. I, what we're not saying is that women get to say, well, I just, I find this difficult. And so I'm just not going to try anymore. That's mm -hmm. not what we're saying. What we're saying is that if she says no to sex because she's feeling uncomfortable or she just doesn't want it right now, or there's all sorts of things going on, the answer isn't then, well, then do this very manually taxing thing for me instead, because it's valid for her to say, no, I don't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. And you know, your sexual frustration as a husband is not more important than her postpartum recovery, is not more important than her feeling just gross on her period, mm -hmm. is not more important than her having a cold and having a headache, is not more important than any of these things, is not more important than her being exhausted because she was up twice last night with the baby. Your sexual frustration does not trump your wife's needs. Yes. Um, because sexual frustration is really difficult. But I'm going to tell you now, too, from our survey, if you continuously ignore your wife's needs because you want your sexual frustration released, you're setting yourself up for a world of hurt later. Yeah, because what we found is that in marriages where it was either sexless, so they hadn't had sex for months, yep. or they were having sex once a month or less. Yeah, she was way more likely to say that her needs were not as valued as his yeah. in the relationship. Yeah. It didn't just happen. And that's the thing. People think that these that these marriages where she starts not wanting sex at all just happen. Just happen because we, she's decided she doesn't like sex. We did not find that in no. our research. And we and that was the thing that we were not expecting going into. We were we were looking yeah. for the group of women who were like, Yeah, sex is fine. We actually had in our research question mm -hmm. we had a specific group that we could not find in our data where we wanted to look at women who orgasm almost all the time but do not have sex. Yes. They did not exist. No. They did not exist in our survey. We had 20,000 women. It was mm -hmm. so little that it was due to chance, and we think it was likely due to, um, because because the women who were like that, there was often sexual dysfunction in the marriage. Right. And so there's an obvious explanation why they aren't doing that. Their husband yeah. has erectile dysfunction, so they don't yeah. have sex. Yeah. Right? Or we there also might be people who have cancer diagnoses, people who, you know, mm -hmm. maybe there's other things that are going on. So you can't draw any conclusions when it's such a small sample because we didn't have enough power. We were planning on dedicating a whole portion of a chapter 
two women who orgasm all the time and still don't have sex, and we just didn't really have the data to support anything. Yeah, and yet we did have, like, more than a thousand women who were in sexless marriages. Yeah. So it's not like they weren't there. Yeah. (laughs) And then we had another thousand women who were in marriages where they made, where they had sex, like, once a month or less. So, so we had a number of thousands of women. Yeah. (laughs) But... They were in marriages where they felt like their needs were not considered. They did not enjoy sex. There was major sexual pain a lot of There time. was sexual pain. Um, he had porn addictions, mm-hmm. which, again, is what Kevin Lehman was talking yep, there about. There was severe sexual dysfunction um, in the marriage. like And really bad marital satisfaction. And mm-hmm. so if you are in a marriage where you're consistently saying that his sexual frustration matters more than anything she is feeling. Even if it's just, I really don't want to have sex right now. You're going to end up creating a situation very likely where within 10, 15, 20 years, she's just not going to want sex at all because eventually she gives up. She feels so discarded and so unimportant that she gives up. And so we need to find new ways of talking about this. Exactly. Because I am all for people giving each other gifts. Yes. I am all for frequent sex. I am all for sex that is awesome. But what I'll tell you is that that only happens when she realizes my needs are important. Yeah, And what I'm experiencing matters. And so if she doesn't want to have intercourse one night, even outside of having her period or postpartum Mm -hmm. sex or anything like that, if she doesn't want to have intercourse one night because she's tired, because she's headachy, because she had a really bad day at work, because she's sad, because she's grieving, whatever, she does not then owe him something else. Exactly. Like she needs to have the ability to say no, because if she doesn't have the ability to say no, she doesn't stop wanting to say yes. Exactly. Let's say that again, because that's important. (laughs) If she doesn't have the ability to say no, she'll stop wanting to say yes. Exactly. So we need to give her the ability to say no. And I think that that means that a lot of guys are going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Because what we've done right now is we've transferred the discomfort that he has felt from sexual frustration, etc. onto her. We've said, this is now your responsibility. And so no matter what discomfort you're feeling, you have to live through it in order to relieve his frustration. And what we need to say is you each need to deal with your own stuff. Yeah. And that does include her dealing with the reasons that she doesn't want sex. Yes. And it does also mean that in a marriage, when you're both taking responsibility for yourself, a healthy marriage, you will also have compassion and kindness towards the other. Yes. And you will consider their needs as you do your own. Yes. That does not mean that their needs always necessarily supersede yours, though. Mm -hmm. If you are both hungry and you have a gashing wound in the front of your face, (laughs) you deal with the wound first. Yeah, and they didn't even give me any water. I was sitting there and they emerged for several hours. They didn't even... No, but that's the thing. We all... When we say we consider our needs, like, like, love your wife as you love your own body, love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? Like, all of these things. If you're in a marriage and you're exhausted and he wants to have sex, Mm -hmm. a wife can simultaneously be considering her husband's needs as she considers her own and still say no. Yes. And that does not mean she's being selfish. It means that for the marriage, her sleep needs are more important. Yes. And frankly, you know, we do need to have self-control even when you're married. You don't get married so that you no longer have to have sexual self-control. And that's a lot of how it's talked about. It's like, just wait, just wait, just wait. Because when you're married, you'll never have to wait again. Yeah. And that is so not true. Sorry mm-hmm. if that's mm-hmm. been a bit of a rough awakening for some of you. But unfortunately, you married a human. 
-hmm. And humans are not sex robots. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking for sexual release without ever having to be inconvenienced, then get yourself a sex robot. You're in a relationship, and that means you're probably going to be uncomfortable. But I will say, having done the research all last fall and spring and winter, just reading these stories again and again and again, there is an uncomfortable truth that we are unwilling to face in evangelical Christianity, that right now we are willing to have women be maritally raped and feel coerced and pressured and feel like their personhood is systematically eroded because we'd rather have that happen than men have to deal with self-control. Mm-hmm. That's a, that in, in evangelical teachings, mm-hmm. we see over and over again, coercion talk, obligation talk, duty talk. We even hear of literal examples of marital rape mm-hmm. being stated in Christian marriage and sex books, almost mm-hmm. as examples of what to do. Mm-hmm. In his needs, her needs, um, a man says, I feel like I have to rape my wife to get sex. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I'm even raping her. And, and Willard Harley does not say, please don't rape your wife. It's just, oh, this poor man has to rape his wife to get sex. Yeah. And that's the reality that we're living in. And mm-hmm. so if you're a man and you're uncomfortable with us saying your wife doesn't owe you a hand job when she's on her period, mm-hmm. understand that that's because you've been raised in an evangelical culture that has preferred that men get sexual relief over women don't get raped. And that's a really uncomfortable truth. But that is the unavoidable conclusion that is reached when you look, actually look at what is being taught in these books. I dare you (laughs) to go through these books and find me one that has the main message be men, love your wives. As I couldn't find one. Even in love and respect, when the main message is said to be men, you need to love your wives. Mm-hmm. The examples that are given of how men love their wives are incredibly manipulative. Mm-hmm. And all the examples how women are supposed to respect their husbands undermine any love that is in that book. Mm-hmm. Because men, you have to love your wife as long as she doesn't ever make you mad. As long as mm-hmm. she doesn't ever do any of these bad things. Because then she's being a bad wife. And there are literally like no examples of a man actually loving his wife and taking her opinion seriously. All the examples are of how she needs to push her opinions down so that he can love her properly. It's utterly ridiculous. So this is the problem. It may be an uncomfortable message that no, you are not promised sex whenever you want it. But you were never promised sex whenever you want it. You were promised a sexual relationship. Mm -hmm. And if you demand sex whenever you want it, you are undermining that sexual relationship and you are turning it into a transactional affair. Mm -hmm. That is what you are doing. Mm -hmm. And... As a church, we need to speak the message loud and clear that you don't wait until marriage so you never have to wait again. It's you spend the time before marriage developing the self-control that you will need to be a loving and gracious and compassionate and Christ-like spouse. That's what we need to say. Take this time while you are dating, while you are engaged, while you're in the waiting period, and hone that skill, the self-discipline, the fruit of the spirit of self-control so that when you are married, you aren't a pig. Okay? Like, that is what we need to tell people. This is why we are called to do these things, you know? Like, we wait to have sex until we're married so that you can rest assured in your marriage that if you get cancer, your wife's not going to have an affair on you. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, if you have a difficult postpartum, your husband can handle it because, hey, you guys are hot and heavy for, like, a year and a half and you're fine or something. Like, like there's there's this benefit of discipline and self-control that goes past saying, I do, and it's completely overlooked because we've been told it's better for women to feel like they don't have a voice or a choice when it comes to sex than it is for him to have to go five days without release. Yes. And that's just very, very wrong. And I want you to get that picture again of this. And I know it's an uncomfortable one of a woman 
giving her husband a hand job mm-hmm. and pr- at the same time praying, please, God, let this be over soon yeah. because she's so uncomfortable. And this is very common. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a hand job or oral sex, it is not a comfortable thing to do for a long period of time. I guess I just want to say to you ladies, like, it matters. Yeah. You do matter. Yeah. And if you're super uncomfortable and if you're really hurting, it's okay to say, I don't want to do this. Yeah, and, and it's okay to say, you know, I want this to be able to long-term be a part of our sexual experience, but we need to find a way for it to be tenable. Yes. You know, like, and, and if you're, and if you're listening to this and you're a husband, you're like, oh, I wonder if my wife has been doing this out of duty or obligation. Just ask her. Mm-hmm. Just say, hey, do you like, like giving <laughs> hand jobs and oral sex or is it painful? Cause I just, I just heard a podcast that apparently a lot of women find this really painful and I want to make mm-hmm. sure you're not, you know, you can mm-hmm. have these conversations. And if she says, no, it's fine. We're doing great. Then Gucci, you're great. Yeah. You know, yep. but giving your wife the ability to say, yeah, I don't like doing this means that you can work towards a sex life where there's no resentment. Yeah. And the other thing that we need to give each other permission to do is stop in the middle if something is feeling uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. And so many women in our focus groups and I, what we're talking about with our study, we, ha- we haven't said this in this podcast, but we did a survey of 20,000 women. Mm-hmm. We did focus group interviews. All of that will be coming out in a book, The Great Sex Rescue with Baker Books in March of 2021. It's already written and we're just so eager to get it in your hands, but it's still going to be a couple of months, unfortunately. But what we found in our focus groups was that the turning point for so many women's libidos and for so many women's ability to orgasm came when their husbands gave them permission and they gave themselves permission to stop in the middle of intercourse or whatever they were doing if it wasn't feeling good if it wasn't pleasurable Mm -hmm. if it was uncomfortable if it just wasn't hitting the right spot and say hey let's do this differently exactly or let's just not do this tonight and when they felt like they had that permission what they're feeling is I matter. (laughs) Like my experience actually matters. And that was the key to unlocking their libido. Exactly. So we have created a situation where women feel like our experience doesn't matter. And then we wonder why women have no libidos. (laughs) And so if you could give yourself, if you're a woman, permission to say, okay, I tried this, but this is just not doing it for me tonight. Or I tried this, but I'm finding this very uncomfortable. Can we try something else, please? You may find the more that you actually give yourself permission to acknowledge what you're feeling, the more you're able to feel the good stuff too. Exactly. And that's really important. Again, we still feel that a good sex life is very important to a marriage. Mm-hmm. You can't have a healthy marriage without a good sex life, but a good sex life on its own cannot create a healthy marriage. Just wanted to say that as yes. well. But, you know, a good sex life is such an important part of a healthy marriage. And that does mean that you need to be thinking about frequency. And if you're the lower libido spouse, check out my boost your libido course. Okay. (laughs) You know, start seeing sex more positively, get to the point where you actually do want intercourse more often and, and understand that orgasm is fun for you. All of those great things, even understand how libido works, because I think a lot of us think we have no libido when we don't understand that we just have a different kind of libido. Okay. So certainly that's important, but your experience does matter. And if you're really uncomfortable, it's okay to speak up. Yes, because a healthy sex life is not built on one partner being silenced for the sake of the other's sexual needs. Yes, exactly. So both of you need to speak up. Okay, I have a couple more things to share in this podcast. Some exciting news. Uh, I just got in the mail yesterday, actually. 31 Days to Great Sex is available in audiobook. Most people will not want it 
and physical copy. Of course, you can get it on Amazon through yes. Audible and anywhere else you get audiobooks. I will put the link to that in the description. And not only is 31 Days to Great Sex available in audio, but Nine Thoughts That Can Change Your Marriage is also available. It came out this summer in audio form. And The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex is also available. That's been out for a while now. So I used to just have The Good Girl's Guide. Now we've got Nine Thoughts and 31 Days. You can listen to them while you exercise, while you commute, while you do the dishes, mm -hmm. whatever you want. So that's a lot of fun. And earlier this week, I also have a post on how you can get some free studies, book studies of The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex and Nine Thoughts That Can Change Your Marriage. You can do them individually or you can do them in a group. There's also videos that go along with Nine Thoughts That Can Change Your Marriage if you want to do that as a group study. And hey, you can even do it online. You know, you can run an online group study if you can't get together in person because of COVID. And that's a great option as well. And Nine Thoughts That Can Change Your Marriage, basically everything that we say about marriage is in that book. That's our whole philosophy. So that's a wonderful book to share. So thank you for joining us for this week's To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast. I hope you enjoy the rest of your summer, the few weeks that are left. And join us next week when we will have our Start Your Engines men's podcast. And then we will be back after that again for filming in the closet. And we will talk about some more stuff, great stuff about sex and marriage. Join me at tolovehonorandvacuum.com. There's always great stuff there. And please do leave a review and a five-star rating wherever you listen to this podcast uh, because it helps other people find it. So thank you and have a great week.